0: Hi y'all, this is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty LuPone. This is Lynn manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more.
2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, VTW group,
1: void prohibited by law, see terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to StageCraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with stars, creators, and industry leaders on Broadway and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. On this episode of StageCraft, I'm talking to the one, the only, Audra McDonald. She is the actor who has won the most Tony Awards ever, with six trophies to her name, most recently winning for her performance as Billie Holiday in Lady Day at Emerson's Bar & Grill. She's a regular presence on TV, too. She recently wrapped up the sixth and final season of The Good Fight on Paramount+, and later this year she'll return for the second season of the HBO series The Gilded Age. Before that, though, she's back on Broadway for the first time since the 2020 shutdown in Ohio State Murders. It's a play that marks the long-awaited Broadway debut of Adrian Kennedy, the 91-year-old playwright whose unflinching, surrealist, and groundbreaking work is often studied but rarely performed. This interview was recorded just before we knew that Ohio State Murders would be ending its limited run about a month early and closing this Sunday, January 15th. But in our conversation, we talk about why it's been difficult to get audiences to come out for this challenging play, and why some theatergoers are taken aback by McDonald's performance. We also talk about fancy new dressing rooms, the significance of this show inaugurating the newly renamed James Earl Jones Theater, and what it's like when your husband is simultaneously starring as Neil Diamond in his own Broadway show right across the street. Hey Audra, thanks for joining me.
0: Thanks
1: for having me, Gordon. So, Ohio State Murders is the Broadway debut of the playwright Adrienne Kennedy, who is one of those writers who is really influential and revered, but she's also someone who is rarely produced, particularly in New York City, enough that you can be like a pretty well versed theater goer and not really be familiar with her or her work. Um, when did you first encounter uh, this play or her work?
0: Well, I I had heard of her, but I had never studied any of her work. And I just, it was just a name that I knew. Um, And, you know, I, there, I always say that with the caveat of the fact that I did not have a formal sort of theatrical, um, you know, higher education experience. I went to Juilliard for, for opera, so I didn't study theater. So I don't know if the Juilliard students uh, in the theater department did there. Um, But the first time I had read Read any of her work was um, when Jeffrey Richards and Kenny Leon approached me um, during the pandemic and asked if I wanted to be a part of a Zoom reading, reading um, Ohio State Murders for, um, you know, just for something to do on Zoom, (laughs) Um, just to sort of bring theater to the masses in whatever way we could during that time. And um, and my my agent was like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, and um, that's when I first experienced her her work. And uh, I have to tell you, after I did the the reading, I got off the Zoom, and um, I I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I couldn't get the language out of my mind, and it just it just it it, it sort of cracked my heart open in in a very painful, mm-hmm. profound way. And um, so. When I got a call, I think two days later, saying that they're interested in trying to bring this to Broadway, I was like, count me in.
1: Yeah, yeah. you you mentioned that the first reading was over Zoom, it was during the pandemic. And so that was at a time when we were doing a lot of things like that in order to kind of keep theater alive. Um, And then also at the same time, you were sort of co-founding Black Theater United and doing work with that organization as well. And it feels like those two activities uh, are of the, are part of the same whole. And I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about how they overlap for you.
0: Um, how, well, how they overlapped was actually kind of interesting. I think um, post uh, George Floyd murder um, and the creation of Black Theater United and the um, the pandemic and that in those few months as we were rolling into the pandemic. Um, I think that, perhaps sort of that time and, and that awareness and the sort of demand for accountability that was sort of rising up throughout the country and in all sort of businesses and, and, and social structures and, you know, and so the same thing within our community and the theatrical community. Um, I think that may have had something to do with some of the playwrights that, um, that Jeffrey Richards decided to put in this zoom reading. And so that there, that you know, there's that's part of the Venn diagram right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, working with Kenny Leon, and then obviously focusing on this incredible playwright who's just um, who who absolutely has um, there is a, an awareness of Adrienne. You know, in the academic circles, she's taught in schools. My my daughter. in her final year at brown and she said oh mom we read funny house of a negro last semester Mm -hmm. you know and so she you know she's getting that education um but just the the fact that the the commercial um world for her has always evaded you know uh adrian um and i understand her work is is it's it's challenging. It's, it's, it, it blows open the idea of what the form of a place sh- can and should be. Um, and she's, she's, she's taking on very, I don't want to say difficult, but, you know, necessary raw material and she's centering black women. And for some reason we we, we seem to have a problem with that. Um, this country, this planet, this, um, this industry, um, really centering black women and centering their stories and their and their pain and their triumphs and and the idea of who they are, who they can be. I know some people come to see Ohio State murders and they're a little taken aback by, by like how I'm speaking or the words that I'm using. And it's like, yes, black women exist in all forms, in all facets of society, in all different ways they exist. And Adrienne is you know, is, is bringing all that to the center. And um, some people have a problem with it. And uh, I don't think I'm answering your question very well, Gordon.
1: <laughs> well, you are actually, is that uh, it's uh, the greater awareness, as you said, sort of fueled Jeffrey yeah. Richards, choice, the producer Jeffrey Richards choice to, yes. to do it. Yes. And-
0: yes. And then, and, and then honestly, for me, it fueled my choice when they said we would like to bring this to Broadway. It was like, well, yes, absolutely. And then the last you know, piece of the puzzle to fall in place was the fact that we, you know, at Black Theater United and other organizations, you know, one of the ways in talking about accountability and awareness and action is, um, you know, creating a a, a theatrical community where we can see ourselves as well. And that's not just on stage, but like in the brick and mortar. And so to have, um, you know, this sort of the new deal, the, the Broadway's new deal that BTU struck with, um, uh, many leaders in the Broadway community, um, and one of those things, one of the tenants, one of the things that we said we needed to see start to happen was to have theaters named for Black artists, so that you know we can, so that the theater tells us that yes, we belong here as well. So much so that here we are in brick and mortar, and so to have it, uh, you know, our play be at the James Earl Jones Theater and be the inaugural production of the James Earl Jones Theater, Adrian and and James. Earl Jones know each other. In fact, I think Adrian said they had a conversation just recently. Mm. It just all felt like um, kismet and it all sort of felt like definitely, you know, all landed in the middle of that sweet spot in the Venn diagram of of how this all came to be.
1: How do you tell people what it's about when they ask you?
0: You know, sometimes it depends on who I'm talking to. I I bet. (laughs) And that's the honest answer, um, because I want people to come and see it. And so if you say, you know, it's a play um, about, you know, murder and systemic racism as it affects a young black woman in the the late 40s and how it affects her to this day or 1992. A lot of people are going to run from that. They'll be like, huh? um so I sometimes I'll say it's a murder mystery mm-hmm. about you know you know something that happened in the past that someone is now speaking about that they experienced and they're telling that story and then sometimes I'll say it's you know it's centering a black woman's experience of racism in higher education in the 40s 3 years after Ohio State's dorms were desegregated right. you know but you know I pick and choose who I say that yeah. to <laughs> yeah um again with the the purpose of uh, wanting as many people to see it because once people come and they see it you know then they understand how important the story is and how necessary it is to um tell these stories there's a cautionary tale too i think
1: what is it that uh you mentioned that some people are uh surprised by the way your character speaks in this in this play what is it that you find surprises them well
0: in the same way that certain people are like, you know, I'm doing the Gilded Age, and people are like, oh, well, yes, they're just trying to be woke. They're just trying to, you know, sure, okay, black people that had businesses and whatnot in New York City and the Gilded Age. Okay, whatever. It's like, no, 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 actually existed, yeah. actual historical historical fact. So there is an there's an ignorance mm-hmm. um, about the fact that, you know, and there's 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 um, prejudice and their stereotyping of of black people and how, how, how people want to see and hear from them in their theater. You know, they want to see and hear from them in a certain way. Well, you know, I want you dancing and singing, or I I want you, you know, if you're going to be, you know, doing a play, it's, it's gotta be raising in the sun or, you know, it's like, no, no, no. There are all types of us and there are in all different aspects of life and in all different sort of levels of education. And, um, And so the fact that this and I I am choosing the way I speak in the show very deliberately to mirror Adrian as much as possible because this is a semi-autobiographical story, Um, and Suzanne Alexander, you know, there are the four Alexander plays as well as um, Letters to My Students. Mm -hmm. Um, This sort of it's like sort of an avatar for Adrian, Mm -hmm. and so. Because we were, you know, presenting her Broadway debut, Kenny and I really wanted to make sure that we were bringing as much of Adrian to this experience as possible. And so that means not only the actual play, um, but the interviews you hear right. of Adrian before you see before the show begins, and then afterwards, we want us we want people to walk out of the theater wanting to know more about yeah. her. And um, I wanted to bring her into my Suzanne. Yeah her Suzanne as much as possible and because I've gotten this wonderful experience of being able to talk to her you know usually on a weekly basis she emails me every day at, you know we've been having conversations since um July of 2022 so I've, I've had a lot of time to spend with her and hear her voice and hear her cadences and I'm not the first one to do this when she did this when the premiere happened with uh, Ruby D. And she had first approached Ruby D and asked her if she wanted to do this play. Ruby um, came to her apartment, bounded up the stairs, and one of the first things she said is, I want you to read the play to Mm, me. I want to hear you say it. It's such a specific, there's such a specific poetry and rhythm. And I think I was fully able to understand it once I heard Adrian speak.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard you say that you one of the reasons you wanted to do this show was that it scared you. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about what's scary about it?
0: What's <laughs> not scary about this show? I mean, first, you know, first and foremost, there is the language, which is is incredible and beautiful. And there's prose, there's poetry from time to time, but the sheer volume Mm -hmm. of it, the fact that it's a memory play and the fact that um, there's, I think the script has about 30 pages and about 28.8 of those pages are all Suzanne's lines. So, but because Suzanne is, I I, I tell people this is harder than Lady Day for me. And it is because at least Lady Day, there were moments where I could, relax in the singing, you know, the songs would break up the monologue that that Billy, and it was a slow moving car wreck. And Billy was at the end of her life. And so she wasn't vibrating on a very high level anymore. Mm. And so she's starting here and it's just, that's what's happening. But Suzanne is sitting on this whole story and she's trying to get it out without falling apart. So that she can deliver the indictment, so that she can deliver the truth, so that she can finally release her daughters and make her daughters known publicly, mm-hmm. say their names, right. all of mm-hmm. that. So she's sitting on it. So Suzanne is vibrating here. And that's a much uh, more taxing place um, to be, I think, in some ways, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the subject matter, I, you know, I have two daughters, I'm a mother. And so the subject matter is, is, um, very, very painful. Not that Billy's wasn't. Um, so it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's the hardest thing I've ever done. All that adds up to the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's only an hour and 15 minutes. So yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Cause it couldn't be. I think that's probably true. You, you just, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll have more with Audra right after the break. And now, here's more with Audra McDonald. In other productions of the show, there are two Suzanne's. There's an older Suzanne and a younger Suzanne. Uh, In other productions, they have been played by two separate actors, and you are playing both roles in this. Was that always going to be the choice? And why was that important to you, do you think?
0: Well, obviously, that was the choice when we did the the Zoom reading because there was, you know, no need to to really have the, another actor. Um, We were just sitting in our little apartments on Zoom. But um, Kenny and I talked about it and, you know, we had Adrian's blessing to do it. It's not like he went rogue and just said, we're going to do this. Good luck, you know, but um, so that Suzanne, so that old older Suzanne is an active participant in her memory instead of just watching and narrating what's happening. I think as an actress, it, it was able, because I'm playing both old and young Suzanne, I'm reliving the memory, um, physically, physiologically, psychologically, I'm actually reliving it as opposed to watching a younger actress relive it and then comment on it. There's something that feels, um, it's more viscer It's a more visceral experience yeah. for the actor. So maybe that was selfish of me to say, you know. But, um, it you know we were also. It, there's been all kinds of different productions of Ohio State Murders where different characters um, have been played by the same actor. Not not Suzanne, as far as yeah. I know. But, and then sometimes we've seen Suzanne's father. I think oh, yeah. you know. Whereas in our production, you don't. I think the very first production you might have seen Suzanne's father, um, and. it's been varied how all those other parts are played and portrayed. And sometimes it's one actor, sometimes it's three or four, I think depending on production and and budget and whatnot, but it just seemed like the right thing to try here. And uh, Adrian seems um, happy for us to experiment.
1: Yeah, You talked a little bit already about kind of capturing her voice and uh, kind of bringing her voice to the stage. And I feel like you, not unlike what you did with Lady Day, you're doing something very specific with your voice, and even, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you're doing something a little different for the younger Suzanne than older Suzanne. Um, and I just wonder, thinking about, as you said, you trained in opera and you have uh, you know a big background in sort of training, training your voice, and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how that training informs the kind of stuff you can do with your voice when you are singing or not.
0: Well, I mean, I have, I, I think it comes down to having a really good voice teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I've been with the same voice teacher since masterclass uh, in 95. So I first found this voice yeah. teacher. And uh, so this is not necessarily something I found at Juilliard, but shortly after leaving Juilliard. And this particular uh, teacher um, has taught me um to incorporate my my voice as all being one thing. And so for him, it's about the health of the voice. And then you can ask it to do the things that you need to do, as long as there is sort of like a singular sort of um, centered, uh, like central command system of the voice, if that makes sense at all. It probably doesn't. But in terms of that... It's always going to me bring, be be me bringing my full body and full voice to everything I do, and then I I you know I tailor it to what is needed, um, but finding a healthy way to do it that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. Um, so, like even with Billy Holiday, I was still having lessons with him while I was doing right. Billy Holiday, yeah. and this is the same man that trained me to do uh you know the lady lady M's aria in. You know in master class as well so it's the same it's the same warm-ups it's all the same thing it's about incorporating the entire body um and and then as far as finding the specificity um within the sound um that that requires for me just a lot of listening so like most of my conversations with Adrienne, i've recorded Mm. so that i can and i listen to her every night and now because kenny has added her voice to the top of the show it's that's sort of the work being done for me in that way as well
1: yeah yeah yeah. and you you've also mentioned the fact that you had her around during the whole rehearsal process and uh working with a living playwright i'm sure and in there's some version of that that can be quite frustrating as new pages are coming in and all that stuff but um (laughs) i imagine particularly with a play like ohio state murders having someone having the actual authority there uh, must have been hugely helpful. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Oh, it's been incredible. I mean, I I, I don't know how I would have done this or or understood this play if I hadn't had her there, uh, as as well as I think I understand it, and I'm still discovering every yeah. night. Um, but even just in, in, in questions, I can ask her, well, well what does this mean when she says she meditates on the repetitive phrases? Where does that come from in your life? Mm. And she's like, Oh, cause sometimes I would just like to daydream and I would daydream about these things or I would, you know, or I would, um, um, hear certain words and I just would want to say them over and over again to sort of discover what the meaning was or what, how I could make it mean all these different things. So even just moments like that, mm. whereas if you didn't have, you know, if you didn't have Adrian, you'd have someone who's saying, well, I've read everything Adrian Kennedy's ever done, and I've studied all her work. And what she meant was, there, <laughs> which is lovely, and that's important, too. But there's something so incredible about, about having the Oracle right there. Yeah. You know, having this, it's like people talk about source going to source. Mm. Source is right there. You know, even, there, you know, the one of the, um, I think it's okay to say this? Maybe it's not. I don't know. But one of the people that she talks about in the play, um, one of the the girls that bullied her and antagonized her, um, the head of the group of girls that antagonized her, the white girls that did, Mm. was a real person. And I was able to get like specific information about this real person Mm. and how she antagonized Adrienne and how she made her Feel horrible and 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 the ways in which she did it and what she was wearing and all of that I've been able to just get every little it's like I feel like I have a coloring um, I have a box of crayons and I've got 75,000 colors because I'm getting all the little bits and pieces of information mm-hmm. right from her yeah. and so it helps me to sort of layer as much as I possibly can yeah
1: yeah um- as you mentioned, it's a short show. It's also pretty brutal. How do you, I guess, first of all, sustain yourself through it eight times a week. And then how do you, you have to leave it at the theater. If you're going to, you know, have any sanity left, um, what, how, what is your ritual for that?
0: Um, I, it's, it's, it's the ritual is getting here two hours before at least. Um, two hours before call, right? The call is half an hour yeah. before the show. So I get here. So that's two and a half hours before the show actually starts. And really settling in and letting Suzanne's sort of thoughts and world take take over. Um, and then at and every night when they call places, mm-hmm. Gordon, it is it is so hard to walk on that stage. Mm-hmm. I have to tell. I have to tell myself. I get to the edge of where my door is before I walk into the hallway, then go up the stairs to the stage, and I get to the edge of the door of my dressing room, and I always stop. And I'm like, <sighs> I know what's about to happen. I don't, and I have to tell myself, put your right foot in front of your left mm-hmm. foot, and walk, because it's such a heavy lift. Mm-hmm. And what I have to tell myself is just tell the story, and sli- as Monty Price, my great friend and great director says to me, slice the bread one slice at a time. You can't slice the whole loaf at once. You can't hike up a mountain like by leaping to it. You have to put that first foot down. And so all I can tell myself is just put the right foot in front of your left and and continue to walk on stage. And now all you gotta do is get to the stage. Okay, you did that. Now all you gotta, and it has to be like that. And then otherwise you'd never go, yeah. right? Yeah." <laughs> Right, you'd never yeah. go. And then at the end of the show, I have to, um, I have to say goodbye. I have to make it a point to say goodbye to Suzanne in the dressing mm-hmm. and say thank you, and I honor you, and I will be back tomorrow to tell your story again. Mm-hmm. But you have to stay here. You can't come home with me. Yeah. You know, I had to do that with Billie Holiday mm-hmm. too. And then working, working on Frankie and Johnny mm-hmm. with them our intimacy co- uh, coordinator yeah. uh, and choreographer um, also help to kind of solidify that. It's tapping in and tapping out and saying, okay, this is all very real in this moment right here on stage. And now you tap out and say, okay, now it's my life right. that I'm taking home with me and not this. Yeah. That keeps, that's that's the sanity.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of uh, your life away from the theater, by a uh, total coincidence, your husband, Will Swenson, also an actor, is also starring in his show uh, right across the way and exactly you open something like four days apart or something like that right yeah four days apart, crazy Um, which sounds i I imagine at first blush i mean for people maybe who don't know quite how what the run-up to an opening night is like like it sounds oh that sounds fun but i bet more (laughs) i bet it i bet it was chaos is what it probably was
0: It was such chaos. And I also had, I had Carnegie Hall on the mm. third, his opening on the 4th of December and then my opening on the 8th of December. Yeah. So we were both re- were rehearsing at the same time and previews at the same time. And for people who don't understand, previews means you're still rehearsing yeah. During the day and doing the show at night. So you have like no way. It was so, it was, it, it was, it was chaos. It's still chaos. Um, it's calming down a little bit. And we always knew that my run was a short run. Right. So that was, that's what he, you know, he's, he's going to be in those, those sparkly boots and sequins <laughs> yeah. for quite a while. And that's not the case with right. me. So we always knew that it was going to be a rough, compact time where we were both going at it. But I think because we're, you Know we've, we've been together for so long now, we've been together about 15 years, and um, we we understand we've been raising children together and now. We, you know, we've got the three older ones and, and we have our six year old, mm. so it's just about understanding who needs what. And there have been times it's like, well, we both need sleep, yeah. but and we've literally you know narrowed it down to, well, you if you can't sing Neil, you can't do
1: Neil, well, right? If yeah. I'm
0: Right, and if I'm feeling a little like horse, I could still get through my, you know, hour and 15 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever it is, of speaking. Will can't do it, so I've been sacrificing my sleep and getting up with our daughter and getting her off to school at six in the morning so that he can sleep sure. in, so that he can do his show. Um, and we both under like I'll go over to his theater or we have usually have lunch in between shows together now which has been nice and you know it's never anything big it's just you know sitting kind of staring at the wall (laughs) i brought you some chicken both of us just sort of like do you want to take a nap and then just sort of dozing off for a second it's like all right see ya and then meeting him after the show (laughs) (laughs) but 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 there's a there's a great understanding right now um and always has been, but especially right now, there's just an appreciation for what we both do and understand that we're both going through it at the same time. So you have kind of a partner in crime and mm. you have an empathetic partner who's also dealing with the same thing, so, but we're very lucky too. I'm not complaining. Yeah, we very, of course. very, yeah, lucky. yeah just yeah. we wouldn't have, you know, our, our daughter, our six-year-old is the one who hates it the most right now, but.
1: Yeah. Both parents, both parents are her. pretty busy. Right
0: yeah, now. yeah, 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 yeah. that's hard. That's hard when you're six. Right. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so. In addition to the theater as you mentioned uh, uh, Ohio State murders is a limited run um, we see you on TV pretty regularly you've wrapped up uh, recently wrapped up your last season the final season of uh, the good fight um, and then coming up will be Gilded age as you mentioned um, what else is on your plate what's coming what's coming up next for you
0: well um, there's I mean there's, there's a couple things there that I'm not allowed to talk about right mm-hmm. now but um, but you know, for me, the touch wood. There's no wood. There's <laughs> no wood in the dressing room with the Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a new. Yeah, it's a it's new theater, new, yeah. so it's all the the, the new materials. Um, but um, the 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 universe has always brought me what I needed mm-hmm. at the you know at the right time. I mean, I'm going to be doing a lot of concertizing um, this coming year, but. I, I don't ever want to just focus on one thing. And maybe that's, you know, I've always been sort of, you know, I've had I've ADHD and ADD as a child, and, you know, hyperactive in terms of like squirrel, 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 but um, especially when it comes to performing, but all of it feeds everything else for me. You know, when I do work in the theater that then feeds and informs, um, film work or television work that informs or i feel that i am able to evolve as a a, you know a a tv actor or film actor when i'm doing theater and then like if i'm doing film work or television work that then sort of can feed and and um, inform the theater work or concertizing work all of it sort of informs the other for me and um it's a part of my sort of main goal which has always been just to evolve as as an artist and so um i don't i don't say no um to any one aspect of my career because i want to continue to evolve in all aspects of it so um there's another non-answer great great
1: (laughs) (laughs) um is there anything we should look out for from btu in the coming months
0: um, well, we I, I I have handed over the presidency of BTU now to um, the great Lachance. Yep. Um and yes, there's there's always great stuff on the horizon with BTU. Right now, we're really just trying to make sure that the implementation of the the New yep. Deal um, continues, and um, there are, are regular meetings and committee meetings with the um, all the signatories of the. Broadway's New Deal um, on a regular basis to make sure that we're continuing to evolve with that work. And it's a living, breathing document as well. Um, you know, and a lot of that right now, we're looking at what's happening, just sort of like with, you know, like you think about what happened with Ain't No Mo and yeah. other shows that are just like, there's, there's still a lot of work to be done, not only in getting these shows to Broadway, but then helping them to sustain, right. yeah. you know, their time on Broadway as well. And that means, you know, cultivating the audiences, making them more accessible financially. Um, And uh, also, I've been speaking out a little bit about this. I think it's important to make sure that, you know, we bring these shows, you know, so we're telling lots of different stories, but it's not just cultivating a diverse audience. You have to do that, too. But then you have to entice the the regular, I don't want to say regular, that's the wrong word, too, but you know, for lack of a better word, the white audience, the white theater goer to come see these shows as well. You know, yes, it's, it's, it's important to support, you know, the good old fashioned musicals and the, you know, the things that are not necessarily centering the black experience or the Asian experience or any of the BIPOC experience, Mm -hmm. but now you need to come and support that as well. You know, there's, there's good theater to be had all around. Um, and so I, I think that's an important part of the um of the puzzle as well.
1: Yeah. Uh as you mentioned, you are the first show in the James L. Jones Theater. And um, the first time I was there, I, you know, there's kind of that side lobby where the restrooms are. And it was so nice that I was like, am I actually in the wrong place? Like this is, this, you know, Broadway theaters are, you know, uh, a little little older yeah exactly (laughs) so you're in the dressing room right now how how is it is it as glamorous as the lobby out there it's it it,
0: it's it's lovely (laughs) it's it's absolutely lovely i'm in a a, um a completely accessible Mm, i was just gonna ask about that yeah which is miraculous with accessible bathrooms accessible doors um all of that it's it's incredible there's you know you can plug in your hdmi sort of cut you know cables as well as your all that stuff all the it's all the modern conveniences but because i have been doing broadway since 1992 Mm -hmm. i walked in i was like this is beautiful it's so clean it feel like i was like it feels (laughs) wrong do you know what i mean i was like there's nothing dirty there's not you know there's not like, you know, old couches from the 1950s that are still floating from dressing room to dressing yeah. room or like, you know, a couple of cabaret chairs. There's always like four <laughs> to 400 assorted brown and black cabaret yeah. chairs in every theater, you know. <laughs> so there was a part of me that had to get used to it being so clean. When I tour and do lots of concerts, concerts hall, concert halls all over the place, the back the backstage areas, especially the newer concert halls look yeah. like this. So it was, it's just weird for me to be here and be like, okay, right. I'm in a Broadway house because it's, yeah. that's <laughs> the thing like, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'm a creature of also the nineties in New York. Right. I'm like, I kind of miss, you know, the loves drugstores and the, you know, all the mom and pop shops and so, but it's, but it's, but having said that it's yeah. gorgeous, it's clean, it's beautiful, it's accessible and that's incredible. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Good. Well, uh, enjoy that dressing room uh, and, <laughs> and uh, break a leg with the show tonight. Thanks so much, Audra. It was great. It was okay. great talking to you. Thank you.
0: Likewise. Go ahead and take care.
1: That was Audra McDonald, now on Broadway in Ohio State Murders at the James Earl Jones Theatre through January 15th. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help us grow our audience of folks who love theater as much as you and I do. Or tell a friend about StageCraft. Find past episodes and subscribe at all the pod purveyors, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Twitter at gcoxvariety. Variety. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater.